Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Before we start this week's podcast, a big thank you to ELM Legal Services, who are based in Bristol and provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. You can get a standard single will for £99. If you'd like to get in touch, call them 0800 019 4557. Hello, welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen, Gregor McGregor, and for the final time, we'll explain why later. It's not that we hate him. Adam Baker is on with us today as well. Uh, guys, lots to talk about today. Coming up, we'll be discussing Corey Smith's new contract and why maybe it's not as good as it seems. Uh, the Bristol City accounts have come out, albeit a little bit under the radar, but Gregor's been on that. And we'll be telling you about a record loss for the club. Uh, who is Bristol City's best striker? That's something we'll discuss. We'll hear from Jamie Patterson and Lee Johnson. First there, guys, let's start with Reading at the weekend. Uh, Gregor, you were there. What happened? You know, Reading in the bottom three, surely Bristol City went there expecting to get three points. I don't think they defended well enough, simply. Um, I'm going to come on to the XG because I mention it all the time. Uh, Loves a stat. But yeah, basically, they they had the chances and the last sort of 20 minutes, they really pushed Reading back and they were going for it. But yeah, you just can't give any team in the Championship the chances that Reading had. And OK, Liam Kelly's hit a wonder goal. That happens in, in any football match. But the one for me is that third goal. That It's, it's just shocking play. The, OK, Mar- Mo Barrow's done well to get down the wing. But Bakuna's just basically had so much time to just stroll up, pick the ball up, have a touch, place it in a corner. He's always going to score from there. Yeah, and that's that's got to be eliminated for uh, City to improve. Whose man was Bakuna? Do we know? Did you see? Well, I hate to point the finger, but it was Liam Walsh. So, uh, yeah, he was Adam Baker has his head in his hands. Why do you have your head in your hands like that? Why is that your reaction? I hate to point the finger, but it was Liam Walsh. <laughs> but I'm going to caveat that with I thought Walsh played pretty well, and um, he's he's shown a bit of form since he's come into the team, and he's a, a decent little player. But might that mistake cost him against Preston for well, the starting place? It's going to be interesting. I don't think City can play the three of those guys like they did in midfield. You don't think it worked. No, with Josh Brownhill on the right. He, Brownie's been the best player this season yeah. for me, consistently grabbing goals and assists. And yeah, he can, needs to go back into the middle. Um, so this weekend, would you would you drop Liam Walsh? Is that what you're saying? Put you on the spot here? Yes, I would. Oh, OK. Adam, uh, what did you think of the weekend? Well, uh, obviously, I had it in my headphones on Soccer Saturday and Bianca was updating it and there was that sort of flurry activity towards the end of the first half. And I thought, OK, good character here. But then, you know, to hear... Them lose like that. It was. Were you surprised? Yes, I was surprised. I think it's about taking chances again. I, I know Gregor loves the whole expected goals scenario, but you, you take like the Stoke game as well into that mix, and, and now Reading, um, Bristol City have had countless chances compared to their opposition, and they've mm. either come up against a keeper that's completely in the, the form of his life, it seems, um, or they've hit the woodwork, or it's poor finishing. And I think. Um, you can't keep saying you're unlucky uh, in, in football. Ultimately, you've got to stick the ball in the back of the net and, and that's what they're sort of struggling. They've got two, but um, obviously at the other end, they're, they're struggling to keep it out of the net as well. But mm. for all the chances they're creating, the number of goals they're scoring isn't marrying up at the moment. OK, on that, let's uh, let's hear from Lee Johnson. First of all, he, he speaks about Preston this weekend, but he comes on to his strikers. So here's what Lee Johnson said. Gregor and the rest of the media chatted to him with his pre-match press conference yesterday afternoon at Ashton Gate. As far as I'm concerned, this is a new day and a new game. Do you know what I mean? So you don't go into the game thinking, wow, this is our bogey side. Um, 
you go into the game evaluating the opposition's strengths and weaknesses and doing your best to impose your strengths on their weaknesses and nullify their threats. So, but I do think they've got quality. I think they they recruit well. Do you know what I mean? They recruit English pretty much players, or when I say English, I mean British players that are um, capable of playing in the Championship. They know their market, and uh, and obviously they've they've done well. I mean, last year I think did they finish eight, seven, four, eight? Do you know what I mean? So. Uh, lost Hugo, which is probably a big loss for them. And any team that loses key players, of course, is going to take time to adjust. And that's why it's an important game. Because, uh, do you know what I mean? For us to, to push points between us and them at this stage, uh, being a good side that they are, would be uh, very big. Yeah, and I mean, you City are currently 12th at the moment, but so close to the playoffs. And a win would push you even closer, wouldn't it? It's so tight at the moment. Well, that's why I think the frustration comes from that last game, Saturday, you know, because, like, I, I think that where we are, if we'd have won that game, is about right, like, for what we're doing, do you know what I mean? Or, or even got a point. So the frustration was that we felt we was the better side and we lost. And, and again, my message to the players is, is keep the faith, keep the belief, because a lot, a lot of elements to our play have been very, very good. And it's an it's adjustment from last year and an improvement, by the way. Yes, um, uh, the dynamics change because the personnel changes. But we've got different strengths this year than we had last year. And, uh, and we want to evolve. We want to be able to be a little bit more direct at times. And, and I think the, it's a catch-22 because we've got such quality at the back. Do you know what I mean? That you don't want to be asking quality players to to effectively potentially give the ball away but what we do need is to create more box action and uh, last year we could do it with a long throw couldn't we we, could, we got the Magnuson clap you're slinging Flinty up and even if you're, you're not playing very well and having a stinker because you've got a box entry and probably the second phase to that box entry it appears like you're putting pressure on the opposition but our chances have been a lot purer this year Um and uh, our challenge, and whether it be a striker, midfielder or defender, is to, uh, to make sure that we're a little bit cleaner in our finishing. Lee Johnson there speaking ahead of this weekend's game against Preston. Adam, he talks about pure chances there. You were saying, you know, he means clear cut. So is it actually, you know, we talked about the wingers a lot this season. They're doing their job. The midfield's doing their job. The strikers just aren't finishing. Well, they've hit a bit of a, a dry patch, um, so to speak. I mean... Vyman has not scored since August after having that huge purple patch in the first month of his time in Bristol City. Fumarajiju missed the whole first month of the season mm. and is now, I feel, struggling to kind of get up to the pace of the season. He scored a few goals. I mean, that last minute header was fantastic. I just, Ashton Gate. I just was going to say on that, um, do you think those goals that he scored, he popped up with a couple, do you think that disguise that actually he's not up to match tempo yet? Yeah, potentially, definitely. Um, Matty Taylor has been in and out of the team as well. That's not going to help him trying to build up a, a run of games, a run of confidence, a run of fitness. Um, so I think at the moment, that's probably the one bit where, if you go back the last few seasons, mm. um, you know, Codger goes, Lee Johnson has a big task to then bring in an Abraham. Mm. Um, Abraham has to go back to, to Chelsea. Mm. He's then done a really good job of bringing in, a, you know, someone who's already there, but turning them from midfielder to striker and Bobby Reid as well. Yeah. 
I think when people saw that Vyman came in and scored five goals in the first month of the season, I think people Box thought ticked. he's done it again. Yeah. Um, and probably maybe Lee Johnson was thinking, blimey, you know, I, I think I have, because I think he, he was asked about it after the Swansea game, which was Vyman's last goal. Um, and he was talking about how it was important to continue that run. Um, unfortunately, now he's not scoring. Fumara Gigi and, and Matty Taylor haven't been prolific as well. And now I think probably, as we're entering you know, November now, Lee Johnson, I, I believe, will probably be looking at January thinking he may need one more. Mm. You've, I know you've got some stats here about Well, about no, Gigi, I haven't. Have I'm just looking at how many Jeju has got. And You're the stats man. Come on. Come on, well, Gregor. <laughs> he's got three goals in seven starts. That's not It's not bad. Much, is it? That's almost... But is it flattering to disguise, those stats? But yeah, he has had four appearances from the bench, so... It basically involved in 11 games. I'm, I was expecting a lot more from Fam, I have to say. Mm, he, he was in such great form. He looked so good in, in pre-season. pre-season. Yeah, if yeah. anyone saw those matches, he looked razor sharp. And I, I actually said to him, and I've been telling people, that I would have backed him at one point to be championship top scorer. Seriously, and that was based off his record of scoring per minute last season, which was fantastic. When he hit 13 goals and he was scoring every... I think it was 290 minutes or something, roughly. And he had the best rate in the squad of the regular strikers apart from uh, Corley Woodrow, but that's another story. <laughs> um, and Yeah, basically, I, I'm a little bit surprised he hasn't scored more. And I just wonder if he's been a little bit unsettled by a few little things here and there. And I say that because like, I've spoken to him a few times behind the scenes and he's, he's, a, he's a great bloke, fam, as you guys will know. Mm. He's always smiling and everything. But when I've spoken to him recently, I just feel that he's maybe feeling the pressure a little bit and he hasn't been quite as smiley as he has been. So, mm. But he's the record signing for the club. And I think the, the point has come for Lee Johnson to nail down what his best side is. I think by now he needs to know who, who he can rely on. And I think he's got to go with Fam and give him a run of games now with most likely Wyman. I know this is mm. probably going to splurts here, but for me it's got to be those two up front. Yeah. And he's got to stick with this and give those guys a run to, to, get, that, to get it going. But what about Moisa? who's uh, been on the bench recently. Now, I've only seen him play for sort of 20 minutes in pre-season, but I'll tell you what, he looked lively. Well, is he going to get a chance? What's the point in him, in him being here if he's not going to get that call-up? Or is it that they've been waiting for him to be fully fit? What is it, do you think? Because yeah. You, yeah. you've named three players that are in front of him there, mm. in Gijou, uh, Vyman, Matty Taylor. So is he the fourth-choice striker? I, I think he is. I mean, Adam's shaking his head here. But, um, yeah... He, but he hasn't has, given a chance. He hasn't, how can no, he, how can he he hasn't got the, the... He hasn't been there and done it yet, has he? And, yes, he looked good at the start of the season. Um, he's obviously been coming back the last few weeks and he's not quite fit enough to play from the start yet. Um, I think he's got players way in. And, basically... Jeju has done it but not consistently and this is the problem I think all the guys have done it in patches but no one's consistently mm. done it unfortunately Weimann's come off the boil but so why, why, wouldn't, he, why wouldn't he give Moisa a chance then because if they're not if none of these are doing it then you go okay Mo here's, here's your chance I, well for me and this is probably comes back to why I back Jamie Patterson and a lot of people mm. on Twitter come to me and say why, what do you see in Patterson well it's because if, if nobody's doing it then you've got to go with the guy who's got the record over the longer term yeah. and, and you look back over the last couple of seasons who's the most senior uh, and I think people in the players in the dressing room would respect that, that there's a sort of a hierarchy and a seniority and you've got to go mm. with those guys um, first dibs you know so does, that's what I do does Gigi as well just but we'll, we'll come back to that in a tick but does Gigi need someone like Bobby Reed who runs around doing all the hard work for him I know that sounds quite harsh but 
if you look at the sort of closing down of Vyman and Taylor, does Gigi need that or could he work with... Well, we don't really know how Mo- Moisa plays yet, do we? But could that work? Could those two work? Well, I think he, he will benefit from that, but I don't think it's the the exclusive uh, way that he can play. I think mm. he can work with someone who's, a, you know, say, for example, when M- Milan Juric was there. Mm. He used to say Milan Juric couldn't knock something on for Famara. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, I don't think it's, it's solely the purpose. Going back to the question, who's the fourth choice striker? If it's you Patterson, like, is it? It's Patterson. It has to right. be Patterson because he, he's opted to play him in that um, number 10 role on a number of occasions. I know he's it's not been, been fit yet. But if you take what we were discussing about Famara Gijou, who was one month out of the season, well, Moise is even longer out of the season. So yeah. he's going to take even longer to get going. And not just that, He's jumped up to the championship as well. So mm. to to lump all that on his shoulders when three senior guys, four if, if you can count Patterson, aren't doing it as you, you described it in front of him would be a huge amount of pressure to put on a young lad. So what does he do? Does he just drip feed him in as a sub? How th- does he use him? I think he'd have to drip feed him at the moment. I think he needs a run of under twenty three games as well. Like Gregor said, he's mm. you know he's not fully match fit yet, so he needs that. Because the worst thing you can do is throw him into the first team for five minutes and not featuring in any 23 games. He's just not building up his fitness at all. And then the fans start seeing him come on and not score, seeing yeah. him come on and not score, and it's a, an ever-growing so no, it's Juni. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> a, few, a few more games behind closed doors against Cheltenham Town, maybe. Yeah. Uh, has he been, he's not been featuring them for the under-23s much, Gregor? No, he hasn't. He played a couple of weeks ago in one of them, and I think he must have played the other day when they played Yeovil in um, last week's behind-closed-doors yeah. game. So... Yeah, he's playing a bit, but yeah, you're right. He needs, as Adam says, he needs some... some so uh, it'll be a little while before we see him feature heavily, is what you guys are saying, you think? Well, I think so, because again, he's, he's not the seniors in front of him. Mm. And I think but uh, I think my point is, if, if they, let's say in five games' time, and we come to Christmas, and there's that busy schedule, and these strikers, hopefully they are, but let's say they're still not firing, is he perhaps looking at that for his window of opportunity? I think so, definitely. I don't think it would be a... A five point three million pound signing, uh, certainly not. We'll go on to the accounts in a minute, but um, <laughs> I think that if there was scope to bring just one player in in January, I think then Lee would probably be looking at the uh, the striker role. Uh, let's talk about accounts before we go on to Corey Smith's contract. You've uh, alluded to it there, Adam. This has come out quite quietly, but. Someone spotted it. Gregor, do you want to explain what's happened about Bristol City's accounts? Worth saying that these accounts do not take into account the sale of uh, Aidan Flint, Joe Bryan or Bobby Reid, but they do take into account the Carabao Cup run. Yeah, so it's basically the club uh, has released their 2017-18 accounts and the, the way we find them is because as a public limited company, they have to file their accounts with Companies House as every company um, has to um, legally. So yeah, they were released last week and obviously once they're made public, then we can dissect them. And what we've done is run them past um, a chap called Kieran Maguire, who's a lecturer at Liverpool University, I think. And he has dissected them, given his, his uh, opinion. I think it's at Price of Football, if you're following him on Twitter. Um, it was also picked up by the Swiss Ramble account. There was a, some great analysis there of the accounts as well. And yeah, there, there were a few surprises in there, uh, to my eye. Um, certainly a huge record-breaking loss of, what, £23 million, which is, is pretty substantial and a little bit depressing in a way because, it, yes, it is taken into account all the Carabao Cup run and everything, but there weren't any big sales um, in there. Um, to our mind, the Jonathan Codger amount, I was sort of 
I've discussed this before, but I think that the Jonathan Codger deal, and this is to be confirmed, I am speculating here. I, I think that deal, there must have been a large sum up front because it doesn't seem to have carried over <laughs> uh, regarding amortisation is the is the um, term, which is basically transfer fees are, are carried over, for, over, yeah, over, yeah. Uh, over the space of four years. So say you pay £10 million for a striker, you'd pay £2.5 million in four lump sums across the four years. Okay. Um, instead, it seems there's maybe been a larger lump sum of maybe £8 million in sort of like the first year and then building up to the £15 million quids, whatever they, they agreed for Codger in the end. Um, yeah, that doesn't seem to have carried over. So they uh, haven't had any big player sales in there. Um, and again, we're going to come on to this because I asked Lee Johnson about it yesterday and um, he alluded to that next year's account should be much better with the sales of Bobby Reed. Yeah, of course, of course. But but why, Adam, give us some context here. What sort of loss do Bristol City normally make in a bad year? Well, if you, if you go backwards, um, you know, you're talking anywhere between... 10 and, and 7 million was, was sort of like the average loss. Mm. Um, it came down dramatically last year, thanks, as Gregor said, to the, the Jonathan Codger mm-hmm. sale, um, which the club went to town on. It was only a, a couple of million loss. It was, you know, it was seen as we're going towards sustainability, which is what Steve Lanzo's big mm. key point is. Um, of course, this year, as you say, it doesn't include any big sales. The wages have, have skyrocketed uh, and the loss subsequently has gone um, well to a record number. Um, so in that sense, I think it probably makes it quite clear why the club opted to sell Bobby Reed, yeah. Adam Flint and, and Joe Bryan and Horder Magnusson as well. Oh yeah, um, of course, yeah. yeah. To, to bring them back towards um, not only the accounts next year looking a bit healthier again, uh, but also financial fair play. Yeah, I, I just wanted to raise the point, I was really surprised actually how, how close in the end they were to meeting the financial fair play limit. I don't know if you saw that, but obviously that's a um, examined over a three-year rolling period. So over the whole thing, they can't make um, losses of more than £39 million. And we estimate that they were around the £35 million mark, Oof. which isn't that far away. Um, that is so, tight. Yeah, it's not... I mean, obviously, £4 million is a huge amount of money, but in football, but in football terms, terms, it's yeah, not. Ex- exactly. So um, the other factor of that is that this huge loss this year is then going to be accounted for over the next three years in the in the rolling period for assessing financial fair play. So it's quite a, a large lump to basically for the club to swallow. Um, but at the same time, in for the sake of balance, there are some good signs in there in that things off the pitch are going very well for the club and they all the revenue streams have gone up. Uh, all the commercial side has gone up. This is things like hospitality, all that, all that side, and uh, sponsorship for the club. Maybe uh, I'm sure the Dunder deal obviously won't be in this one, but it will be in the next year, for mm. example. All these assets are going up, so there is a bit of light there. It's just that sustainability at this moment just seems a long way off unless they can keep selling players. And I'm not saying that they are going to keep selling players because mm. they might be able to basically keep the crowds rising because that's another factor yeah the tendencies are, tickets, are yep. consistently going up and they've made record ticket sales at um, season ticket sales this season haven't they so it yeah make, there is some some hope it makes you realize though that it's such a business now isn't it you know it is all about the money and speaking of money that brings us on to Corey smith who has signed a new contract and uh, there was quite a bit on social media about this this week and how it's great but adam baker you can tell us why actually it's not that great well, there's only a, some feedback I got from other <laughs> other Bristol fans when they saw it, and, and obviously the club heralded the fact he's you know he's ours until 2020. Well, 
Corey Smith was out of contract at the end of this season. Um, and now when Corey Smith probably plays again, because it's, it's unlikely we're going to see much of Corey Smith this season, if at all, um, by the time it comes to next season, he's in the same position again. He mm. will be out of contract at the end of that season. Um, but, you know, fair play to Gregor. Um, he asked the questions and, you know, dissected the press release, really, because that, that wasn't really looked at at all, at being out of contract It's almost season. glossed over, exactly. wasn't it? So, you know, Gregor at yesterday's press conference asking the question, well, why why is he only signed until 2020? Is mm. he going to be in that position again? And Lee mm. Johnson was was quite open and honest about the fact, well, we're looking after Corey at the moment because we don't want Corey thinking, oh, blimey, I'm out of contract in the summer, I'm injured at the moment, should I rush myself back? He wants him to give him the full time scale that he needs to get back properly and not have to worry about his financial security with his family etc and also to reward him on the fact that he's been such a good player over yeah. the years he was part of the treble uh, the double winning season um he's been a, a stalwart in the team yes he's had some injury recently um but actually he's a he's one of the, the best players in the squad mm. yeah i think this is a actually a really nice touch from the club within like that we haven't heard so much about um but within the playing staff and everything, for the players, like you pick up a, an injury like that, and yeah, as you say, and as Lee Johnson said yesterday, a player can be worrying about their long term future. And he was mm. going to be out of contract. He was out for the game for like six, seven months. Like you have to, unfortunately, consider the worst case scenario when he comes back. Is he going to be as good? Um, so yeah, the club have kind of taken that away from him in terms of yeah they've given him a bit more financial security and he doesn't have to worry about it and I, I yeah I think this is a really nice move a nice gesture and it probably is going to bode well for the club going forward in terms of this kind of thing is probably mentioned about by players and might help them in the future you know sway a, a player's opinion on joining the Robins so. yeah, and it must be tough for him missing out at the moment but I do know he's recently been to Dubai because my uh, friend was on the same plane as him Corey's yeah Corey, ah, okay. just come back it's, it's, it's pretty bad being injured, but at least he's had a holiday. <laughs> yes, I mean, you probably need... I mean, he's probably going batty in the, the treatment room. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the gym. It's, it's so boring. He was talking about, actually, on the, the commentary he did recently uh, for BCTV. So, mm. you know, he was basically sat in a, a treatment room um, where everyone else goes out to train, they have to banter together, they come mm. back, they have the food together, hard, and Corey just feels like an isolated figure. And, and it's quite nice for him now to be actually getting a bit closer, doing a bit of gym work with some of the other players mm-hmm. and getting part of the group again. And he's ahead of schedule, I think, isn't he? Um, apparently it's going to be back in January rather than February, as was thought. So that's, that's not too far away. And for any fans maybe thinking, why we need a central midfielder in the in the January transfer window? Well, you've got one coming. It's Corey Smith coming back, at, at the least. Yeah. I, I would quantify that, though, by going back to the point we made about Issa and about Famara Zizou. You don't... Yeah. You know, it's going to take time to build Chuck Corey straight, back up. Yeah. To yeah. given the way he plays football as well, he's not going to want to bust a gut around the pitch constantly. Mm. Coming back from from that long term absence, it's going to take some time for him to get back to his his usual self. I think. Mm. And he was such a, a key member of last season. He scored that amazing goal against Manchester United, and it was a season, obviously, where Bristol City went. Uh, so close to the playoffs in the end just slipped away but um, Greg has been speaking along with the, the rest of the press uh, to Jamie Patterson about uh, what it takes to get promoted and about his form this season I think if you know it's the million dollar question everyone wants to get promoted there's, there's, there's you know there's a lot of teams in the in the championship that are trying to get promoted and, and are spending a hell of a lot more money than than what we're spending so it's, it obviously makes a bit uh, a difference um, with budgets and all that sort of stuff but you know, I think it's just, it's hard to put a finger on what gets you promoted, you know, and I think it's just 
sticking, being positive, sticking to how one way of playing and just going at it 100% and sticking together. And we've got a great changing room and the lads are very, uh, the lads are very together and, you know, we'll stick together when we go on a bad run. So we'll always come good and, you know, it's still a long way to go in the season and we'll, we'll maybe one or two wins away from the playoffs, which is exactly where we want to be. Absolutely. And just finally, um, Preston up next and I think City are due a win against them, aren't they? Yeah, it certainly are. I don't think they've won in... Is it 10, is it? So, you know, records are there to be broken and all that. So, hopefully we, uh, we're we very confident in going into the game on, on Saturday and uh, getting a free point, especially for the fans. There's a lot of them travelled. A lot of them travelled to uh, Reading and obviously we were disappointed to send them home with zero points. So, we want to, you know, we want to get our form going at home and hopefully get the three points against Preston and send them home happy on the international break. Nice one. Good luck for Saturday. Thank you. Um, mate, you have the audio from this. Have you got a question for Jamie? Yes. Go on, mate. Yeah. May I ask something that has already been asked? All right. Uh, Jamie, uh, pressing up next, uh, have you been uh, happy with your, your form at the moment? You seem to sort of have quite a, a free role in the side at the moment. Uh, yeah, my form's been, I'd say, personally, for me, not, not as good as what I, what I want it to be. You know, I'd want to chip in with more goals and assists and uh, really make a difference in the games and <clears throat> it has been a bit up and down but uh, you know I'm looking to uh, I'll be working hard on and off the pitch to get my 100% form back and you know and hopefully go on a run Adam, Jamie Patterson's a player that you know quite well off the pitch he's been getting a fair bit of stick this season hasn't he um, we all unanimously think that's that's wrong and he's a very gifted player and maybe un- it's been unfair that he's been getting this sort of stick he's spoken really well there but as you know him personally, how's he been coping with that? Well, I think um, he'd he like to be playing every single week and he, a bit like Eliasson, a bit like O'Dowder, um, I think he's probably a victim of, one, the position he plays in, in terms of Lee Johnson likes to sometimes use him as 10, sometimes use him on the wing. Mm. Uh, and likewise, the number of wingers that, that Bristol City have on their books now, even, as Craig said earlier, using Brownhill on the right. Um, so... In that sense, it's very difficult for him to have get a run in the team. Um, and I think, as as we know from, from football, fans always want to have one sort of scapegoat who at the moment is probably causing the team not to be winning. Well, I don't think at the moment it's Jamie Patterson. It's not his fault, is it? Exactly right. Um, and I, I think he's one of the most skillful. Um, he provides goals. Uh, he provides assists. I, I just don't see why he comes in for so much stick. But uh, I've seen it over the years. You know, you could go back many times... Joe Brunel, who did such a great job in the midfield, pulling the strings alongside Tommy Dock, who probably didn't have the engine that Joe Brunel did, but Brunel got more stick than Tommy Dock. Then it moved on to Aaron Brown on left wing. You know, he was a very good player, got a bad injury, but he got stick. And, it, and Christian Roberts did. And, you know, it's, there's always has there's to always be one player. To Even Lee Johnson like, used to get a lot of oh, stick. Yeah, well, that's exactly. right. He's, he's spoken about it many times. And he gets stick because either he's the manager's son or he passes sideways or whatever, but he did a job for the team that got promoted and almost went up to the Premier League. Mm. But he still got grief. And it, it always seems like there has to be one player who's at fault. Mm. What do you think, Rickle? I was just going to add to it. Maybe it's the life of the winger, in a way. If you're not like winning the games, but then what you, what you bring to the table a little bit because mm. they're maybe not as industrious as your average central midfielder. But mm. hey-ho. Well, we all like Jamie Patterson, so we'll see if he starts at the weekend as Bristol City host Preston at Ashton Gate going into the international break. Uh, Yet again, there's another international break. 
you know, this is a game on paper, but we thought Reading was that you look at the table, you look where Preston are just outside the relegation places that you'd expect Bristol City to win. But Preston have picked up of late. What, what are we thinking ahead of this weekend? Well, it's a tough game in the fact that Preston always seemed to do well at Ashton Gate. It was 2010 when they, Bristol City last beat them on home soil. Um, I, th- I wrote in a column not so long ago that you looked at this run of games, like you just said, you know, the likes of Stoke, who haven't really hit the ground running at all, and the likes of Reading. If Bristol City could put together a string of results, it would almost set themselves up. It would show the division they're ready to to contest for a, a top They're six so spot. inconsistent this season. Correct. And, it, and it, you know, they've only been one goal margins in, in the games in, in recent times. Um, but by losing those matches, they've, you know, they've started to drop. They've dropped into the bottom half of the table now. And it's beginning to look like Bristol City will probably end up in, in the sort of mid-table spot unless they can they can really get a consistency and, and start to build that. But at the moment, um, it, it doesn't seem like that. they've had to rely on a couple of last-minute goals, which is fantastic, don't get me wrong. It's great that you can show that tenacity and the, the fighting spirit to get mm. the late goals. But blimey, if they hadn't had those two late goals uh, against Brentford and, and Hull... They'd be sort of, you know, around where, where Preston are. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, they, they need to get a run sooner or later. You said this is the last one... Uh, before the international mm. break, it's actually the last international break until March, March time yeah. now. Um, so therefore, after this international break, it, it really starts to sort out the the men from the boys, if yeah. you like. Such um, key periods. So it? many it was games season, in quick yeah. succession, and and City almost need that sort of form they they showed before the the post Christmas dip. I mean, they've won as many as they've lost, Gregor. So this really is a, a key game this weekend. Yeah, imperative really to get a win and stop any pressure building as well on City and Lee. I mean, I've seen um, Lee Johnson outposts. Online. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But it just Why? it just doesn't help if if he goes on a, a run of defeats. Um, so yeah, really imperative they get a result. I think they will get a result this weekend. I'm not so sure that they'll win it because uh, without resorting to the cliche, obviously in the championship anyone can can win on their day. Um, but I, I just think, I just, well, I just hope actually Bristol City maintain their performance levels because they're creating loads of chances. There was a really good feature actually on Sky Sports yesterday about the championship and it was saying who the best performing teams are and the most underperforming teams are. And Bristol City were actually one of the three um, most underperforming teams according to their statistics and they were looking at stuff like XG. Um, and not, <laughs> you and, and <laughs> just a couple of that. Can you get a tattoo of that on your Hold arm? Hold on. Bristol City have hit the post, haven't they? More times than anybody else in the league. Do you know that? Wow. Ten times, apparently. Well, that's what Lee Johnson told me yesterday, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so if they keep getting these chances, um, they're, they're going to score eventually. I, I've got faith in the likes of Jeju. Pato and uh, yeah Wyman to come all to come back into form. These guys are, have got quality about them, and yeah, I I, th- I could see them winning on Saturday and 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 yeah, turning turning things around a bit. They, they, they do need a win, but these Lee Johnson outposts just seem ridiculous. But he's always going to have the fans that don't like him, isn't he, Adam? Yes, he is. He's, he's farcical. He could get promoted, and, and they'd nice to want him out. I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised <laughs> at all. But it, it's farcical to even contemplate that. You know, why even say it? Because it's it's what a reactionary, disappointed fan um, who doesn't see perhaps a, a bigger picture. Do you know what I saw? Someone saying, "Why don't we get Steve Bruce or Mick McCarthy in?" Mm. Well, yeah, Steve really Bruce, nice good man. luck with that, with the money required, mm. and Mick McCarthy, what? Mm. Yeah, well, it's, I, I think Mick McCarthy was 
done to quite badly at Ipswich. Yeah, well, look at Ipswich now. Done this season. You know. But regardless, but exactly, I, I, better the devil. Well, not even better the devil. You know, Lee Johnson is doing a correct. decent job, and it's a, it's part of a long term plan. It's part of a um, an ideology, a, a tried way to play football. Um, but, but you can you can see it, even though even though it's inconsistent at the moment, you can see how he wants them to play. We saw it a lot more last year, but. His players have to step up. It's not all him. You would set the club back yeah. a very long time. It's, yeah, it's, it just feels stupid to even Absolutely. discuss it, doesn't it? Agree, yeah. I agree with Adam. I think it'd be short-term thinking over long-term thinking. It's and not going to happen, is it? No, no, definitely not. And you look at... Well, it's been five years of progression up the league, hasn't it? And I think there's a very good chance that it could be six. And also, you look at the turnover of playing staff in the summer, losing three yeah. best players. And it's going to take some time to... It gel. needs some perspective, Yeah, exactly. It? And um, I, I, I think, yeah... Things will come good. So. Well, we do have some news of a departure today. Oh. And that's the man sat in the middle right here, Adam Baker. Uh, he's decided he doesn't want to be with us anymore. Adam, tell us uh, where you're off to. Uh, I'm joining Wiltshire Air Ambulance uh, from Monday, actually. As a pilot? Uh, well, no, not quite. <laughs> uh, they're heading up their communications. Um, they're a, a charity based in Wiltshire. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's a different sector for me. I've really enjoyed the sort of last four months where I've been on the other side of the fence. How have you uh, found that? Because obviously you spent 17 seasons as yeah. a media officer for, for Bristol City and then you came over to our side. Now, we've always been asking you for stuff. I've always been texting you saying, can we do this? Can we do that? I've been ringing you with requests and you've been having to accommodate that from your side. Now, obviously, Gregor and I don't, like, don't know what it's like on your side, but what's it been like coming over to our side and seeing it from our perspective? I've really enjoyed it. I, I think it's been um, eye-opening. Uh, it's been good to be able to uh, express an opinion uh, where you, you don't have to effectively be the PR for the club. Mm. Um, so it's, be, it's been good to actually have free reign of what you, you say and give your, your full opinions. Um, and I think, to be honest, actually, everyone I've, I've dealt with, um, you know, I've even done some columns about uh, women's rugby, for example, and, and everyone I've spoken to has been very accommodating from press officers. And I kind of feel like I know how to speak to press officers because I've been in their yeah. been in their shoes. Um, so yeah, it's it's been good. It's been good fun. But um, this is a, a a nice full time role, which is a, a charity base. It's got you know um, it was a few years ago now, but my dad had a, an accident. And he was looked after by an air ambulance, not the, the Wiltshire ambulance I'm going mm. to, but more locally. Um, so it's got something close to my heart as well. So um, I've done some, some great stuff, I hope, with the, the children's hospice locally yep. uh, over the, the last three years. And I've still an ambassador for them. Um, and this is another uh, charity realm that I'm looking forward to, to getting my teeth into yeah. and try and help raise some money for them because they need 3.25 million per year just wow. to keep the services going and and keep people saving people's lives in Wiltshire. Very, very different role compared to what you're used to. Just, uh, do you think, having been on our side now, do you think that football clubs and the media need to work closely together? If you look at what happened to England in the World Cup in the summer and how well uh, the press are treated, I'm not saying we're treated badly at all, but if you think back you know, to journalists and, and managers of, of years ago, when they had that really close relationship... Why don't you think that happens anymore? And do you think it's something that we need to build on the clubs and the press together? I think England at the World Cup was a fantastic example. Uh, I know Andy Walker quite well. He's, he's head, head of... Media, yeah. yeah. He's the communications boss at, at the FA. Did a fantastic job, uh, that NFL star. He actually went out to the Super Bowl, saw how the Americans did it mm. um, and took that idea and, and translated it to English media. 
uh, and did a great, you know, one day where everyone was invited to St George's Park. It wasn't like a, we'll look after these guys, we'll look after those guys. It was a free-for-all, who do you want? Come and speak to them, come to get to know them. And I think it actually, from a, a public perspective, helped uh, build up to the World Cup because everyone <laughs> felt part of it. Um, and I think it's important still for clubs to have that because, you know, there's 20, 22,000 people who want to know about Bristol City. And there are clubs all around the country who have exactly the same, you know, big fan bases who want to know. Um, and the only way you can really do that is if you've got everyone engaged, not just internally with the club, because it can be seen as propaganda. It can be seen that you're not really asking the right questions. I mean, everyone talks about the Man City um, access all areas, Amazon Prime um, documentary, which was fantastic. Mm, really good. But at the same time, we see all the stuff that's coming out about Man City now. Mm. Well, none of that was featured in the Amazon Prime. <laughs> of course not, because no. it's still in internal clubs. You still need that outside media to give you the false perspective for the fan base. But obviously we have to ask those questions, which sometimes are a little bit difficult. So how can that relationship flourish between a club and the press when the press have to ask those difficult questions which the club don't want them to ask, but also the press do want to do good things for the club. You know, they want the stories to come out about a player who's doing well or the manager who's doing well. So it's a very difficult balance, isn't it's, it? It's a very fine line, and, and I think it has to be um, a fairness from both sides. So if, if the journalist knows about something uh, that's, that's probably going to upset the club, at least he can tell them in advance, he can give them the right to reply, he can give them the opportunity, even off the record, to give them a steer as to why it happened mm. or the reasoning behind their decision to do that. So giving them that fair balance. But the worst thing you can do, I think, personally, if, you, if you're from a, a PR side of things, is just shut the door completely, mm. never never talk to them. Um, because then you don't get any sort of give mm. to, to give your opinion. And, and at the same time, when you go to them and say, look, for example, Corey Smith just signed a new deal... Um, can you highlight that? Can you highlight this positive? Can you explain why we've done this to look after the player? Well, they don't get that opportunity. Mm. So therefore, they have to go and do it at a later date when people probably have switched off from the big news mm. or have gone already made their mind up about the way the news should be looked yeah. at. I mean, look at the, the Trump press conference yesterday oh, and the way he dealt with journalists. I mean, it's mm. just scandalous. And I don't think we're anywhere near as bad in England, but I still think there is a, a feeling about journalists and football clubs and, and the way they're always mm. trying to get at them. I was at a, a funeral for a, a, a journalist not so long ago. Steve Cottrell was there. Tony Pulis was this there. This is what I mean. What, I mean, what that, a relationship. How fantastic is that? I mean, he was a great guy. And, yeah. and I totally understand why people, you know, mm. the whole place was packed for him. Um, but to see good football guys like that coming out to a, a journalist funeral, in 20 years' time, that's never going to happen because the journalists just do not have... That, that relationship. same relationship, yeah. you know, the Richard Latham um, piece, you know, the book that he's just released. He was a journalist for the paper who travelled with the team. It's incredible, isn't it? And was it? sat on the bench at Wembley. Is it because there's too much wariness, do you think, from managers these days? There's definitely too much wariness. I think it went through a period um, when the Premier League began to boom. And the tabloids and the, and the tabloids wanted stories, to get all yeah. these, like, sex stories and all mm. kinds to upset the clubs. And that then really fractured the tarnished down. Correct. And also, on top of that, going the other way with the internet being so prevalent now, um, clubs decided they could do it in-house and it wouldn't mm. make any difference and it would be good for them. But uh, it comes to a point where it, you can't do everything just by the club. No. Gregor? Uh, I would just add in, yeah, maybe the commercial side of it as well. Um, I, when I spoke to the senior Reds recently, I'm impressed on them that I'm always striving for fairness and accuracy with reporting. But also from the club's point of view... I think the 
they're doing more stuff in house. I might be wrong about this, but um, because basically you can attract sponsorship that way and drive drive traffic themselves and hits and, and yeah, and yeah. Um, basically there's money to be made there. And that's just business, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I just think that's the way it's moving. Mm. Oh, well, hopefully not too much for our sake, anyway. Uh, Adam, thank you for coming on thank with you. us for the last time. Gregor, thank you as well. Uh, myself and Greg are going to be at the game on Saturday. Will you be taking this this one in? Will you be doing I one am, last I, media I'm outing? A, yeah, I am actually commentating for Radio Bristol. We're presenting live uh, from the ground on, on Saturday. So that will be my very final gig. Uh, final plug. Final time. Uh, oh, Christmas well, we'll all be there together. Isn't that nice for Adam's yeah, last lovely. work football outing, perhaps for a while? Uh, thanks for coming on, Adam. Thank you, Gregor. We'll be back uh, next week, sort of reflecting on the Preston game and looking at who's out and about on international duty as well for Bristol City. Thanks for listening. And if you're listening live, please rate and review us this podcast was sponsored by elm legal services based in bristol who provide will writing and estate planning services across the uk a standard single will is 99 pounds you can call them on 0800 019 4557 robins on the wire